Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Nicky, George Bremer here with you. George, the regular season finale is mercifully here. The final 60 minutes of torture on a Sunday is finally upon us. Colts, Texans, and you look at this matchup. You talk about an absolute barn burner. Colts and Texans are tied for 31st in the NFL when it comes to points per game at 16.1. When you look at, you know, in terms of yards per game and total offense, Neither are much better. The Texans are dead last in the NFL in that regard. The Colts are 29th. So we were talking about two anemic, inept offenses, offenses battling it out here in Week 18. I hate to say it, we bounced like a three-three tie. This was what it feels like a trending towards. Scoreless draw. Even better. You know, World Cup days. Point, let's a scoreless go. draw. This is a grudge match. I don't know what you're talking about. Tied at the beginning of the year. Been waiting all season to settle this this business. Uh, no winner in Houston, and and now winner takes all here at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday at one o'clock. I think people are going to be on the edge of their seats here. It is. Oof. It's also it's actually pathetic to say, but you go into this game too, and it's like the Texans are the one you have more confidence in. Like this is a team. I always got their doors blown off by the Jaguars, but you look at it recently. They beat the Titans. They went to overtime against the Chiefs. And they're leading up to the final minute against the Cowboys their last month. This is thing that's for Lovey Strath, who it seems like is a dead man walking a one and done for the second straight year in Houston. This team is playing hard for him, even though they can't really score a lot of points, even though they don't do a lot of things right. There's not a lot of talent there. This is a team that, to their credit, at least, they are playing hard. I think it's without a doubt. If you're going to say which team is going to play more inspired, more motivated on Sunday, without question, I think it's going to be Houston compared to the Colts. Yeah, I mean, they got run by Jacksonville on on Sunday, but I think that was kind of expected. Jacksonville had a ton on the line there. Uh, I know 
technically they didn't in the sense that uh, it was going to come down to the Tennessee game no matter what. But I think if you're Jacksonville and you had a chance at a winning season uh, and you're trying to keep the momentum that they had, I don't that outcome was surprising at all, especially Jacksonville was trying to, I think they lost six straight to Houston. So they're trying to end that as well. Uh, there was a lot, I think below the surface for Jacksonville to play for in that game. Uh, and I think they were able to just kind of blow the Texans doors off. But as you mentioned, that that's the only time that's happened. I mean, they, they took Dallas down the wire to Kansas city to overtime. Um, they played up till that Jacksonville game. They played much more spirited football than the Colts have the last month of the season. There's no question about that. Um, I, I think the question for both teams is what's the motivation, you know, other than trying to win a game and in the season on a high note, um, the, the, the Texans, the players and coaches won't think that way, but obviously they need a loss for a lot of reasons. Uh, the bears are not playing Justin Fields. I, I saw that yesterday. So, you know, they're in danger with a win of not being the number one overall pick anymore. Uh, so I think the organization would like a loss. Uh, players and coaches, of course, are going to go out there and, and, and do their level best. Maybe Lovey Smith's coaching for his job. I doubt it. I doubt this game is going to make much of a difference for him one way or the other. And I have heard that makes sense, you know, for him, if he is going to come back, the, the only real path is is changing his offensive staff significantly, which, you know, given what they've been able to produce, isn't a big surprise. Yeah, like that that hire in and of itself never made any sense because it just felt like they were like it seems like they wanted desperately to hire Josh McCann. They wanted to basically do what Jim Mercy actually did and just hire an out of the box, off the wall candidate with no experience whatsoever. They tried that two years ago. It seems like they were trying to trend that in, that in that direction last year. It seems like the Brian Flores lawsuit against the Dolphins in the NFL really kind of changed your thinking. They just said, uh, okay, Lovey Smith right here. Let's just promote him from within. And now I said it's been a two win season. Shockingly, the Texans have not gotten, you know, they actually somehow were aggressive from David Culley to, to Lovey Smith. But I'll give Lovey Smith this. And again, we're talking about Jeff Saturday and, you know, kind of what he was brought in to do to be a motivator. Kind of the same with Lovey Smith. I know he's more of a defensive backer, but he's just a professional head coach who, you know, should you get these guys ready to play it out again? I would say throughout the duration of the season, I thought Lovey Smith did a better job of that than especially what we've seen so far with, with Jeff Saturday. And it's just like when it comes to, said being motivated, trying to play spirited. Like I said, players and coaches don't tank. So even though basically both, it's it's gonna be one of those games that's funny too. Because I don't think any fan base wants to win this game. Colts fans are gonna be watching rooting for a loss. Texas fans are gonna be watching rooting for a loss. This is one of those extremely rare situations where nobody wants to win. But with that said, I think Jeff Sad is gonna be coaching to win. Lovey Smith is gonna be coaching to win. But it's one of those where you look Sam Ellinger versus Davis Mills. I mean, you can go up and down this list here at least. The, the, the Texans have the quarterback advantage bare minimum. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and I think their defense is playing with a little more life too. I mean, it, I know yes. the Colts defense, uh, you know, across the season's probably been the better, better unit. Uh, but the last few weeks, the last, you know, as this tailspin is really taking in for Indy, uh, I think Houston's defense has, has, has been the better unit, you know, in this matchup as well. So um, there's not a lot really, to like about either team right now i mean to be honest uh but I, I agree with you i think the texans advantage is that they have the more experienced better quarterback right now uh they have the more experienced better head coach and they've been playing harder they, they seem to have a little more fight right now than the colts have had and the last thing i'll say before we do give our picks here george is this jerry Hughes had you know played inspired football to say the least in week number one is terrorizing matt ryan uh all game long 
you when you see so far how this offense line has just frankly given up the last, let's say, two or three weeks, you see how lifeless they were against Kayvon Thibodeau when he's sitting there celebrating. You have licking your chops, going back now to Indy if you're Jerry Hughes with a big chip on your shoulder. That's a guy that and he's got, I think, assuming playing with his hair on fire. And whether it's Bernard Ryman, whether it's Braden Smith, I think he'll he'll be giving them a run for their money without a doubt on Sunday. No, that's definitely something to watch. I mean, he definitely had his revenge game uh, in week one, and he's oh, yeah. probably not as motivated uh, this week as he was then, you know, with hopes that he's going to have like an all pro season or whatever. Uh, but I'm sure for him, and there's no better way to finish things off than to book in this season with with revenge games against your your former team. That is for sure. So when you look at this game, George, it's a rarity at this point that the Colts are actually favored, but they are favored in the home finale uh, and the season finale against the Texans. They are two and a half point favorites here. Are you picking the Colts to finish out with a win and get to five? Or is this this is this truly just going to spiral out of control and we're sitting here talking about another loss in the season? Man, I've been going back and forth all week because I really feel like Houston could win this game um, for all the reasons that we just mentioned. But I think I'm going to pick the Colts, and here's why. All year long, I have not picked the Colts to win a game they won. And the only chance to do it oh. is now. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with an offensive explosion, and the Colts win the game 16-13. to 13. Wow. I'll be honest. I'm actually more surprised at this. Like, this is pathetic. We did this a few weeks ago. The fact we're talking about 16 points, I think it was – I forget which game it was. We're talking about is, is 13 points too much to, to give them credit for? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like here, I talk about 16. Like, oh, geez, wow, 16. But Sam Ellinger's quarterback, I'll take 16. I think they lose this game. If it's Nick mm-hmm. Foles or Matt Ryan, I would say, you know what? Maybe there's a little bit more professionals in there. Maybe they get an extra touchdown or two. But like Sam Ellinger, look, before we've seen the two weeks, he's not been very good whatsoever. Even though this this tight, uh, this Texan defense plays spirited, they're not very good. I can't see him, you know, like I said, lighting this team up. This team has given up the last two weeks. That's something to do. I just can't, like, I don't think they're going to be the more motivated team, George. So it's like I also, right. too, you, you don't have a quarterback advantage. You, you, there's no reason for me to believe you're actually going to come out here with a spirited effort and actually care. Well, like I, you're, they, they just don't care. When you don't play motivated against the, uh, against the Chargers. When you lay a complete egg, it basically look like you're counting down the time. You get back on the plane to go home after the Giants game. I don't see that this is going to change whatsoever. I think this team is just going to be going through the motions. You have Sam Ellinger, a quarterback as well. I'll go Texans. I'll say 13-6. They'll get two yeah. field goals. They'll get they'll march down 13-6. Texans win. And one thing I don't understand here, but look, Vegas is right more times than not. Clearly, right? That's that's why they are in business. That's why that all those beautiful buildings in the desert keep on popping up and, and business is only booming. It's not slowing down. They have the over-under this game, George, of 38 points. 30. Like I'm sitting here gasping at your 60 to 13 score prediction. That's 29 points. It's almost a full, you know, 10 points less than the under. It's if they make it, that might be the biggest upset of the season. If I get a, oh, you know, beat the Chiefs, get, if they hit the over, yeah. So I mean, it was 2020 in week one, uh, and that's when both these teams were fresh and and had hope and optimism and you know belief that that they could do something special this year. Uh, it's hard to imagine they're going to match that total on on sunday i mean you're absolutely right i think all common sense leans towards houston as we talked about going to the giants game there's nothing that's changed uh, from one week to the next that would make you think that the colts are going to suddenly be a more motivated unit than they've been there there's nothing about this game that should inspire them uh in a way that they haven't been inspired against the chargers or the giants um the tie i guess but i don't think anybody really cares about that i was out here franklin did mention 
uh, he's on board with you. He just he hates having that tie at the end of the record all year. He, you know that was that was something that, that that didn't sit well with him. But you know, I, I it's hard for me to imagine that a tie is going to motivate you uh, when you know spoiling teams' playoff chances weren't able to do it. Right, no, hundred percent right. I said two weeks in a row they had a chance to do so. One at home on a Monday night stage, nonetheless, and the Giants on New Year's Day. Like I said, both just were, were lifeless and pathetic. I guess in my, you know, for for my argument, the last three weeks somebody's clinched something against the Colts. The Vikings clinched the division. Then the Chargers clinch a playoff spot. The Giants clinch a playoff spot. With a Houston loss, they clinch the number one seed. So there's a there's a pattern here. They get the number one pick. <laughs> I think it's gonna it, it sticks together. Like, honestly, I'm just doing it because, like I, I said, like I have not picked the Colts to win a game all year that they actually won. So I don't. My heart's not in this pick. I just you know I'm gonna give myself a chance to 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 get off the Schneid. I get that's actually I think I'm with you too by the way because I think we've agreed on a lot of his picks. He said the Jaguars for sure we know we didn't pick them. The the Chiefs no shot in hell either of us picked them for sure. The Broncos I think we said well on the pot I picked the Broncos. Then when I woke up I said you know what the Colts are gonna win this game. But again that was that doesn't even count with that twelve nine slop fest. Jeez. <laughs> and no way we thought Jeff Saturday in his in his first game as head coach is gonna win that one. So it's that's like wow. I like that, George. Let's break this tonight. We got to get something going positively in the offseason. Forget the Colts team itself. Let's just get this Blue Horseshoe Pie picks going in the right direction. I like that for sure. But either way, folks, I think one thing we can both agree on, whether it's George picking the Colts or me picking the Texans, is this. Not a lot of points are going to be scored. It's going to be one of those where it's just keep the clock running. No halftime. Let's go out of bounds. Keep it going. Incomplete pass. Keep oh, the clock yeah. running. Let's just get this game over with as fast no as flags. I mean, no, no blood, no foul on Sunday. Right. I mean, let, I like it. let the game roll, let the game roll. Let the off season finally commence. Lots really of running attempts. Right. Yes. I like bringing Jeff Driscoll for the Texans who love mm -hmm. doing that, you know, wildcat quarterback package, oh, yeah. run the ball. There's just, yeah. If there's three passes combined in this game, I would be all for it. Let's run down the clock and let's just get on with, with the offseason where really the juice and really the fun does begin. Really fast here, George. Let's end on a high note and not talk about this game whatsoever. And that's this. The Pro Football Hall of Fame announced their 15 finalists for the 2023 class and a few names that should sound familiar. Reggie Wayne, finalist. Dwight Freeney, finalist. And Colts legend, Andre Johnson, finalist as well. It's a great honor for those three. I think, George, I'm going to say that this is the year that Dwight Freeney gets in. I think Reggie Wayne's going to probably have to wait a little bit, but I think nonetheless, Dwight Freeney and Reggie Wayne, whether it's this year or it's next year, two years from now, three years from now, both deserving, and I think both definitely will be into the Hall of Fame without a doubt. They're both Hall of Fame worthy. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I, honestly, I'm going to be the, the opposite way on here. I think Reggie's got a better chance this year just because mm. I think this is his third time as a finalist. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I the one thing I think in in your argument's favor is it seems like the the voters are holding Peyton Manning against Reggie Wayne, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, when, when you look at what he did with Curtis Painter and what he did with a rookie Andrew Luck, uh, <laughs> to sit there and and argue, he almost had a thousand yards receiving with with, no, with Curtis Painter. Right. That might have been the best year of his career. I mean, in, in all honesty, he had three quarterbacks that year. It was very similar to this season. He almost had a thousand yards. He doesn't get enough credit for that at all. Um, right, that's hilarious. I love that. I don't know who the presenter is, but you should be the presenter. And just push, <laughs> put up that right there. Say, Do I need to say any more? Right. Just look at 2011 right there. It's here. This is why he's a Hall of Famer. And uh, honestly, I mean, he was such a leader for this team in the early luck years. 
you know, when you talk about that team kind of overachieving and, and, and getting success much faster than people thought they would, so much that had to do with Reggie Wayne in the locker room and his ability to to kind of get this team to believe. I'll never forget the Green Bay game, you know, the Orange Gloves game, uh, which mm. he seemed to almost win on his own for Chuck Pagano. Um, that kind of stuff to me is, is, is Hall of Fame kind of stuff, you know. It, Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Score touchdown in the Super Bowl. His, his playoff numbers are absolutely through the roof. Um, I think for a long time he was second to Jerry Rice in most playoff categories. That's another thing that kind of tells you you're a Hall of Famer. Uh, but I think Freeney's probably he's no one's gonna hold Peyton Manning against him. You know what I mean? So he's That's he's got sure. that advantage. Um, and I think he's nationally, I think he's seen as the bigger candidate than Robert Mathis. So I think that helps him too. The other thing that hurts Reggie is a lot of people, Marvin Harrison, you know, they, they hold Marvin Harrison against him and they hold Peyton Manning against him. He played half his career without Marvin Harrison. I mean, it, it to me, those are ridiculous arguments, but they're out there. And I don't think Freeney faces that at all. That's a good point. Um, I think I'm saying, right. Like it's, it's sometimes, you know, the nitpicking that goes on and like some of the arguments, like again, we're talking about greats of greats. So it's not like, you know, you're knocking his career at all, but like I said, it's sometimes stupid. But the thing, the reason why I think Dwight Freeney is more likely is just also because another trend we've seen outside of just, you know, quote unquote, punishing Reggie Wayne for playing with great players. Wow. You know, what a shock. It's not like Jerry Rice played with great players either or Joe Montana, but anyway, nonetheless, <laughs> right. um, we, we saw also too, is just like, it seemed like the voters pick like one, like one player from one position. Right? It seems like they just kind of go for buckets. And you look at some of the finalists. Like if you say there's one receiver that's going to get in, I would probably say it's going to be Torrey Holt. Because that's a guy who's been on, on the on the battle longer. Another guy who, you know, talking about getting punished for playing with Isaac Bruce and Kurt Warner. Again, stupid. But I just think it's one of those things where you feel like, okay, Isaac Bruce got in a few years ago. So now it's like Torrey Holt's time. Um, who's been a finalist a little bit longer. And I think Reggie Wayne's time will come. But I just feel like what we've seen recently, it's okay, we'll take one wide receiver, we'll take one defensive end. And when you kind of look between, you know, Jared Allen, Demarcus Ware, Dwight Freeney, I would say Dwight Freeney is more likely to get picked of the three than Reggie Wayne getting picked over Torrey Holt, even Andre Johnson. Devin Hester, I don't know how they're going to categorize him because he's not really a receiver. He's just, you know, obviously a kick return, punt return threat. I just one of those things where the trend feels like they take one guy from one position and you're trying to double up or especially triple up. I would just say Torrey Holt's probably higher on the on the priority list of getting in than I would say Reggie Wayne right now, or people and voters. Which is, again, this is another stupid argument, but I think it's it's also how it works. Oh, he'll get an extra. He'll be on the ballot longer. But I get the guys that have been waiting longer in first. No, we but, saw it with Marvin Harrison. I right. think that's absolutely the case, and especially receiver. It just it, it feels like it it's been a waiting line right now, and yeah. you know whose number is is next. They just call you know who's been waiting the longest, and and you're on your way in. I mean. Andre Reed belong in before Marvin Harrison. I don't think people outside of Buffalo are going to agree with that. Uh, anyway, I think 31 other franchises would say, no, Marvin Harrison should have gone in before, but Andre Reed went in because he'd been waiting longer. And then Harrison went in the next year. You definitely could see the same kind of situation. I don't think, I don't think Holt is, is, is far below Reggie. Wayne. I think they're very similar players. I think you look at them and, and the careers they had and the offenses they played in. Uh, like you said, I think they're very, very similar guys. Uh, and I, I agree. I think probably Tory Holt will get it, it's he's next in line. And that seems to be the most important thing right now. Right. It's it's so like I, I, I get frustrated with Hall of Fame voting in general. I think all the like 
for me, honestly, I would just do a one and done. It's either your Hall of Fame or you're not. So I hate that. Like, I hate, like, I get it sometimes you're going to have, like, a 20-person or a 10-person class. I get sometimes that's why they don't want to do it. And the NFL, they're very strict on just five guys each year no matter what. But it's just, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, you have to wait or there's, like, a, like I said, it's almost like a deli counter. Or, oh, who number 41, you're up next. Oh, well, that's, you know, in this case, Torrey Holt. So, sorry, Reggie, we even know you can argue your stats are better or you're more deserving or other guys are more deserving getting in. It's you got to wait. It's just, it's just stupid. Where it's like your whole family or not. And I just, I hate the fact that people sometimes will rush to put other players in because also oh, last year on the ballot, we see that a lot with baseball or all oh, this, you know, they've been there longer. So let's put them in now. Like I said, is it, Ron Harrison's undoubtedly better receiver than, than Andre Reed, but it's just one of those stupid things where it's like, oh, timing, you got to get this guy in. He's, this is his first year, but we'll get him in next year. It's, it's a lot of semantics, a lot of politics, but it's very frustrating. But I think nonetheless, George, especially great to see Reggie Wayne, the finalist again. Dwight Freeney is first year eligibility finalist. Without a doubt, I said both will be in uh, at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later. Robert Mathis just missed out on the top 15. That's a guy that eventually will get in as well. I think he's deserving to get in. But you see, you know, Peyton Manning in there, Edwin James in there, Marvin Harrison in there, that, that you know, mid-2000s team stocked with studs. And I think so Tony Dundee, right Bill Polian. Yes, thank you. We'll see a lot of those guys in there all together uh, soon. Yep. No, there's no doubt. Uh, and they're all deserving. I mean, that was one of the best teams, you know, best runs that you're ever going to see in the NFL. That's when, when Jim Mercy's talking about the upper quartile of the upper quartile, he's <laughs> talking about those guys in that era. Uh, and I think Reggie Wayne, um, hopefully sooner than later. Right. I mean, it, and I, I agree. I mean, both he and Freeney will get in. I think Mathis will get in. Uh, Mathis might be the end though. I think that'll be interesting. I don't think you're going to see Dallas Clark, uh, make it and uh, the Mathis might be the end, end of the road there. Um, that's a pretty good haul. I mean, if they get what will that be five players, a coach, and a, and a GM, so something like that. Um, four players, six, a maybe coach if you get GM. Mathis gets in, they can be six, right? Six. So, I mean, that's it's pretty good, yeah. I think you yeah. feel pretty good about that, you know. Um, but no, I mean, congratulations to those guys for being finalists, too. I mean, that's I, I like you were talking about get frustrated with the voting and, it, and it's absolutely the case. I also get frustrated with, with people acting like, you know, being a finalist is no big deal. I mean, it's, it is, it's huge, you know, and most of the guys that get to this level get in eventually. I think that's another, especially with Reggie Wayne, when you're a multiple time finalist, uh, it's just a matter of time now until, until he gets in. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it before, like 1% of football players that play, you know, high school football make to the NFL or 1% of college players think it is make to the NFL. So even a smaller pool. And then to be, not only make it to the NFL, but be great enough to where you are now considered one of the, in your class one of the 15 best to ever play the game. That's it. It's no small accomplishment whatsoever. It should end, you know, in both Reggie Dwight and eventually Robert Mathis as well getting in the Hall of Fame. But like you mentioned, worst case scenario, they don't. The fact that you are a finalist and knock on the door, it still should not, you know, diminish their career achievements whatsoever. And should highlight it the other way how great of players they truly were, how much appreciation we have uh, for what they have done, without a doubt. Um, it's like I said that that run, and hopefully too, Jim Mercer looks at this and realizes, wow, okay, yeah, Peyton, you have Edge, you have Marvin Harrison, probably Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, Tony Dungy, Bill Polian. Like, how can we recreate that? And hopefully, he realizes, okay, well, first I got to step out of the way. Now I, that's a big assumption. That's a that's a big ask for what we've seen this year. But hopefully, if anything, nonetheless, George, this serves as a reminder and a motivator of getting back to that high level. Uh, that the Colts said from really 2003 to 2009, uh, 2010-ish, they were able to just, you know, be one of the best teams in the NFL, like you mentioned, and like Jim Mercedes mentioned, being that upper quartile of the upper quartile. Fitting way to end this Blue Horseshoe pod. Yeah, that's (laughs) – 
fitting way to end the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Honestly, at this point, it's just laughs, right? Like this is, it's it's either you laugh or you cry. I'm going to choose to laugh at this uh, this ender for sure. Colts, Texans, one o'clock. We'll be back for a post game edition to wrap up the final regular season game on Sunday evening. So make sure you look for that. And the way you look for it is by downloading and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your podcasts. So we'll talk to you on Sunday night. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you in the Blue Horseshoe Pod.